Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Have you ever noticed when you go through something in life, have you ever come to that part, you're like, this, I I can't do this, this is not right, I I don't have time for this. And yet in all of that, God's timing really is sovereign. How many realize it's not till later that we figure that out? Now Luke is one of the only, in the new, one of the only New Testament writers who is clearly identifiably a non-Jew. He's a doctor. He's not even one of the original 12 disciples. But Paul loves the guy. Paul calls him the beloved physician in Colossians chapter 4. Paul calls him a fellow laborer in Philemon chapter 1. So let's read this story of Christmas out of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And it says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken from Quirinus when Quirinus was governor of Syria. Verse 3, All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuck wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough because there was no lodging available for them. Now, we'll get to this verse in a second, but in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, but when the right time came, God sent His Son. If Christmas is about anything, Christmas is about God's sovereign timing in the lives of mankind. In Ecclesiastes, the the writer speaks to God's sovereign timing. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, There is an appointed time for some things. For everything. There's an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every matter under heaven. Now how does that, how does this verse relate to Christmas? Look at Luke chapter 2 again, but this time we're going to look at verse 7. And we'll look at the first part. And it says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. Mary gave birth to a very human body, Jesus. This speaks of the humanity of Christ. A human mother, a human baby, humanity. And then we get to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the right time, when the right time came, God sent His Son. Who sent His Son? You catch that? God. Born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. 
so that he could adopt us as his very own children. This is speaking about divinity. God, the divine Father, sending his divine Son to be born in the flesh. These two verses in Luke and in Galatians give us the theology of the incarnation of Christ, which is becoming flesh. Human, yet divine. Divine and human. The Son of God becoming the Son of Man, that we who are the sons of man can become the son and daughter of God. It's an incredible thing. And nobody gives a better description of this than Luke and obviously Paul who wrote Galatians. So let's, let's go back to Luke chapter 2 again, but this time we're going to go to verse 6, not 7. And in this later part of, of verse 6 speaks about the timing of God and, and that pregnancy of Mary. And it says, verse 6, And while they were there, now where is there? While they finally showed up to Bethlehem, while they're now in the barn, most likely the barn was not a wooden structure. Most likely it was a carved out cave in the side of a hill. And then they would put like a fence in front of it. Right? Why? Because that way nothing could get in from the backside to get to the animals. They made it as, as secure proof as they could. So it really isn't a pleasant place. All right? So the time came for her baby to be born. In other words, the typical nine months were over and it was time for her to give birth. The timing of God, again, in the very details of everyday life. Look at Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. This is the timing of God in the eternal plan. God being able to see mankind's past and his future all at once and in the scope of eternity all at once it's an amazing god we serve he's looking at everything from the past the future everything even the now and understanding when is the perfect time to drop it when is the perfect time to bring it forth how many know we don't know the future? And how many know many of us, we question the past? Why? There are a whole lot of people who lie. And so when we're questioning the past, we don't know the future, and we kind of left here kind of in limbo. But God knows the past. And God knows the future. And God knows eternity. And He's saying, right now was the perfect time for the birth of His Son. Now let's look at Mary for a second. As I look at her, I can see that God's time in her life was not convenient for her. When we look at the daily interactions of God in our own lives, sometimes we push back. And we say, as I said in the beginning of the sermon, God, this is not the right time for this to be happening right now. Am I the only one who's ever said that? 
I just wonder because everybody got real quiet right there. Let me give you some examples of the inconvenience of the timing of things for Mary in her life. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list, and maybe you can come to me and say, hey, I got another item, I got another item of inconvenience for Mary. But let's just look at a few of them. Mary was only engaged. This was a pregnancy out of wedlock. And it was in 2021 when somebody gets pregnant out of wedlock, everybody goes, oh, it's fine. Back then, not so much. They were accusing her of, of being raped or being in, let's say, an affair with a Roman soldier. They were accusing her of being unfaithful to Joseph, maybe from somebody in the village. There were all sorts of rumors going on. Here's another thing of inconvenience for her. The delivering, the giving of birth of her baby is going to be in a place very, very far away from her family and from her friends. But they had no choice. It was the law, a census. That meant the husband and the spouse. And because you're engaged, that's considered that you are now legally a spouse. So they both had to physically go. It's not even going to be at home where mom's at. Maybe some sisters and some aunts and people she admires in the town, in the village. No, she's going to go to a very faraway place. There's not even going to be basic security. No, it's going to be in a very strange foreign place. It's not exactly the circumstances where one would want to give birth to a baby. In all likelihood, Mary has never been there before. You see, they're going there because it's Joseph's family tree. It's not hers. So she probably doesn't have any friends or relatives there in Bethlehem. So it's a strange place with strange people. And she's about to give birth. There's also the inconvenience of the inadequate housing. They go to the inn, and there's no room for them at the inn. Why? Because everybody's showing up for the census. So every room is being utilized. And it's cold. And out of the goodness of their heart, they say, hey, you can go sleep with the animals. And we know they defecate there in the barn, but hey, do what you can do. You can use a manger for a little crib if you want. I'm sorry if there's a bunch of saliva all over it from the horses and the cows. Wow. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the Emmanuel, the King of glory. This is where he's going to get born. Feels a little inconvenient if you're Mary. Now folks, I can relate to this and I'm sure you can too. Where you had a dream and you thought something was going to turn out this way. And it turns out in a way you had not imagined. 
You know, if I was to stop and ask Mary, what do you think about the timing of God before the birth of Christ? I'll guarantee you that Mary would probably say, this timing doesn't seem to be the right time. But I still trust God. We saw that in her character. There have been all kinds of things in my life, in your life, that the circumstances and the situation didn't seem right. Oh, the timing was wrong. I imagine you've said, this is, definitely not the time, uh, this is definitely not the time for this. I do, not ha- I do not have time for this right now. How many of you own businesses and somebody comes up to you and they said, we got a problem on this project. I do not have time for this right now. Right? And the truth is, is you probably don't. But we got to look at the bigger picture. Because If you look at it later, sometimes very much later, you begin to see the hand of God on it. You begin to understand that God is preparing something in you and through you. Let's go to the big picture now. Let's see. In light of biblical prophecy, the timing was actually perfect. Let's look at some of these Old Testament thoughts for a moment concerning the birth of Christ. It wasn't convenient for Mary. It will never be convenient for Mary. But in the scope of what God was doing, she was still the chosen vessel. She's still the one we speak about today. And God still has blessed her in it and through it, despite all of the timing that seems so, in humanity's sense, weird. But it was sovereign. It was God's sovereignty. So let's look. The Old Testament said the Messiah would come and emerge victorious. There in Genesis, there in chapter 3. Remember, many of us think of Genesis chapter 3 as the fall of man because those are the very first verses. But you go towards the end of that chapter in verses 14 and 15, it says, So the Lord said to the serpent, now you catch this part. God is talking to the snake. All right? That's what's happening here. God talking to the snake, and God's not in a good mood. So the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. And you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's saying, between you, serpent, between you, Lucifer, between you and the woman. What woman? Mary. Between you and the woman, Mary. And between your seed and her seed. But didn't Mary have more than one? She had many children. Why is it saying just seed? Because it's speaking specifically of Christ. Not his brothers. Christ. Not Joseph's boys. God's son. And I will put him between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. I love that part. 
It means that Jesus is going to stomp on him. And that's exactly what he did when he died on that cross. Oh, I love that part. Here's another Old Testament thought concerning those prophecies concerning the birth of Christ. That the Messiah would come from the nation of Israel. Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. He's nobody. He's got nothing. Does anybody remember? This guy can't have kids. And you're going to be a great nation? Hey, by the way, I didn't put it in there, but verse 7 says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Jesus, Will I give this land, and there build he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Here's another one. The Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 49. That's the story where Jacob gathered, he's dying. He gathers up his sons, and he's bringing them all, and he's praying over and blessing them, and he gets the fourth one, Judah. And he says, hey, out of you is going to come the Christ. Wow. Here's another one. Messiah would come from the house of David. Now, since before Jesus' birth, David wanted to build the temple of God. But God says, no, 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 you're a warrior king. You're you're a man of blood. you got too much blood on your hands. No, no, no. Solomon, he'll build my my temple. But the Lord goes, I'm not going to forget you, David. Here's what I'm going to do for you. And he catches him because he could tell David is just distraught. He's so sad. And he goes, no, from your descendants, from your family tree, will come the Messiah. Can you imagine being David and to hear that? I don't get to build a temple, but from my family tree is going to come Jesus? Wow, what an honor, Lord. Here's another one. The Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 tells us that. Here's another one. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 tells us that. It says that, But thou, Bethlehem, out of these shall come forth unto me that which is to become the ruler of Israel. Another one, that the Messiah would be visited and honored by the wise men, magi. Remember last week? The Magi, the wise men, are foreigners. They're coming to worship and to bring these expensive gifts, and they're not even Jewish. But they saw a star. They knew the story. They had studied it. Wow. Isaiah had predicted that. But as we look back from this side of history, the timing of the birth of Christ was perfect. No wonder Paul said, as we read in Galatians 4.4, but when the right time came. See, it was an appointed time. It was an appointed time. God's sovereignty, born of a woman subject to the law, 
Have you ever thought that God could have waited till when you were born to bring the Messiah? But he thought over 2,000 years ago, that was the perfect time. Now Christmas is about God's timing in our lives. Christmas is about the so-called coincidences. You know, like the census, going to Bethlehem, all the little so-called coincident circumstances that, that happen in your life and in my life. God used the little things to bring about the big things for His purpose, for His plan, because of His great love for you. His name's Abraham Lincoln. You might have heard of him once or twice. He was out back in his store one day and he was rummaging through all the trash and got into a big barrel and reached down at the bottom and pulled out a couple books. Those books are actually some commentaries by a guy named Blackstone. As he read through them, they were all about the law. It's what motivated and inspired him to become a lawyer. Wasn't a great one at that. But that's what catapulted him to finally becoming the President of the United States who put slavery to bed no more. Who found a way to make sure we could come back together. Wow. I, I just think it might have been just a coincidence. Just weird circumstances. That he would just happen to be in the back rummaging through and finally just dug in the bottom of a barrel, was ready to go back inside, and out comes a couple of books. And he just happens to open them up and just happens to read Blackstone. I, I mean, it's just coincidence. Then there's a guy by the name of George Whitfield. Did you know George Whitfield was a bartender? Yes, he was. He was a bartender. He became a great preacher. But as a bartender in England, he couldn't get along with his brother's wife, his sister-in-law. By the way, they're the ones who actually owned the bar that he worked for. Realizing that they couldn't get along, he left. And for whatever reason, that experience caused him to turn to God. And in that, he went to a place called Oxford and got his education. And there he became part of this thing called the Holy Club with a guy by the name of John Wesley. And literally, they saw God move and change England in their ministry. It all turned around. Coincidence, I'm sure. Circumstantial, I'm sure. Folks, listen to me. Every detail of your life God knows the good, the bad, the ugly, the pain, the joys. God knows the losses, the gains. God knows everything is significant and purposeful. But it's in his time. I don't understand his timing. I'll be honest with you. I have volunteered my watch more than once. He won't take it. I'm convinced his, his watch is broken. 
I've handed him the calendar and said, use mine because yours doesn't work. But the sovereignty of God makes my calendar, my watch, useless. The sovereignty of God means that He understands what I don't understand. And sometimes it's beyond inconvenience. It's painful. It's painful. And the loss can be deep. And sometimes we don't get the answers. But that's when faith rises up. And say, in spite of it all, God, like Mary, I don't know how this is going to work, angel. Gabriel, you're saying that I'm supposed to have a baby and I've never been with a man. But you can do the impossible. I've lost this. I've lost that. I don't have this. I never got to do that. I don't get this. I don't get that. This is not at the right time. Maybe it's time to say, God, I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to trust you. I'll tell you what, I, I, I prayed a prayer. It was the most dangerous prayer I ever prayed, and I'll be honest with you, it was painful. I asked God, do I really trust Him? He says, not really. I said, Lord, I want to trust You. I'm going to trust You with everything this year. Most dangerous prayer I ever prayed. My life went upside down, and then some. I lost almost everything. But I grew in ways in my relationship with God that I had never seen or been. I trusted Him. I didn't understand the timing. I didn't understand what and why and where. But God immediately was moving in my life. Perfect timing. Let me share a bit of my story from the beginning of when we started ministry. I was a youth pastor for eight years. And then I became a children's pastor for eight years. We saw great growth and impact in those 16 years in both those ministries. And uh, matter of fact, our children's ministry, we... Uh, we had over 500 kids on a weekend. We had over 230-some volunteers. It was incredible. God was richly blessing what we were doing for the kingdom. But during that whole time, at two different churches, I was never asked to bring and share the Word of God on a Sunday morning. Oh, Wednesday night was fine, or a Sunday night was fine. But I never preached on a Sunday morning for 16 years of ministry, I never preached on a Sunday morning, ever. Matter of fact, the very first time I preached on a Sunday morning was when Chris and I became senior pastors of our first pastorate. Now, God was still moving because even as a children's pastor, 
we would have a flock of adults, parents and different adults, would work their way, because where our children's ministry was all upstairs in the upper wing, and they would come up, and we had this incredible thing called KWWJD back in the day, you know, and it was basically what would Jesus do, right? And we were doing great things. We had this incredible built studio for all the kids. And it was, it was matter of fact, Saddleback Church actually came and to our conference, and they took our ideas, and they helped build two floors based on what we were doing. So it was great. And the parents and these adults would come, and they would just stand and watch what we called shows for the kids. And I would share the word. And parents would come up to me with tears in their eyes, and they said, I get more out of this 15-minute message you give than I ever get downstairs in the big church. See, God was moving, but I never preached. 16 years. See, but timing's everything. I don't say that so that you feel sorry for me. I say that because timing is everything and God is sovereign. God knew something that I didn't know. Who would say if all of a sudden God was to say, let's take this young Marvin and just give him the pulpit week after week or as many times as needed over and over and over again, what do you think could have happened to my head? What do you think could have happened in my heart? See, what was going on for 16 years is God was preparing me. It was preparatory. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to trust me? that you've been called since you were a little boy of seven, eight years old? Or are you going to say, I'm not getting my way. I want my ball. Give me my bat. I'm out of here. See, like David, I was called and I had a prophetic word, multiple words over my life. And like David, I spent many years of my youth in the caves not understanding why I was called and why I was not being considered to fully engage in my calling. The answer? The sovereignty of God. His timing. God's sovereign timing. See, the right thing done at the wrong time produces failure. Ask anybody who bakes a cake. Now, during those 16 years, I, I did have multiple opportunities to go and take a church as a senior pastor. Chris and I, we just didn't sense God's timing. We didn't sense it was right, and we said no. And then in 2000, we sensed it was God's timing. And Chris and I took our first pastor in a place called Grass Valley, Northern California. And we were scheduled to move on such and such a date, and um, we had given notice, and um, one of the craziest things was we had, a, a, I think, four services on a weekend, one on Saturday and three on, on, on Sunday. And so we were brought before the congregation, and every service for four services, they gave us a standing ovation. And I'm asking myself, why are we leaving? These people love us. And we had so many confirmations about us being called to go to Grass Valley. And I, I'm telling you where my heart's at. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going, 
What's going on that God is having to give us so many confirmations? I'm starting to get a little questioning here. Well, as we're getting ready to move, I can't, I can't get it off of me. God, I just, this uneasiness that God's saying you need to move up there a week earlier than your, what you're scheduled. I'm like, we are not ready. We have four kids at this time. The house is nowhere close to being packed. I, there's no way we can do this. But it wouldn't stop. I, the uneasiness. Finally, I go to up my wife and I say, Chris, I really feel this is the Lord. I don't know what to say. And I just, I'm getting teary. And I just said, I think we're supposed to move a week early. That move was one of the most horrendous moves I've ever seen. That's, we just threw the stuff in there. And we moved. My house was in Grass Valley. Those who know, it's mountainy. It was like four or five hundred feet up is the driveway, and I mean up, right? When you're having to go like that. So we barely got the, the, pick, the truck up the top of the hill at the garage so that we can unload it. Now here's how I know something about God's timing. A week later to the day that we were supposed to be moving that truck up, Grass Valley got three feet of snow. Matter of fact, the church didn't even have a snow removal service because they hardly ever get snow that low of elevation. How would I have moved my family in the snow? Wouldn't have happened. That was God's little subtle way of his sovereignty, of his timing. Is it a coincidence? Just circumstances? I'm here to tell you, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And if Christmas tells me anything, Christmas tells me that God and His sovereign timing knows all about you and He knows all about me. John C. Maxwell, in one of his books, uh, Your Attitude, Key to Success, he wrote this in 83. He, he writes this about timing. The wrong decision at the right time equals mistake or at worst, a disaster. The right decision at the wrong time equals unacceptance. But the right decision at the right time equals success. So folks, whether you're young or whether you're old, please listen to this carefully. Nothing stays the same. A door opens, a door closes. An option today becomes a non-negotiable tomorrow. No wonder the Bible says, seek the Lord while he's able to be found. If you would sit down and talk to Mary and all the things that were happening in her life at Christmas, she would look back and she would say, if there's anything that I've learned about Christmas, it's when God speaks, don't miss the moment. Because nothing stays the same. Would you bow your heads with me? God has a marvel, marvelous sense of timing. And for some of you, today's that day. In fact, this could be the moment where God is about to do a work in your life. Where we reach out, where you reach out. And touch God and God touches you. You see, everybody looked at Mary and Joseph and didn't think much of it. Just regular life. 
not knowing what God was really doing. Today just seems like a regular Christmas Sunday. But is it? Is it? Or is it really the timing and the sovereignty of God? It's today the day where you let God come in and fill you with His presence in spite of all that you've suffered and gone through. It's today the day where you seize the moment. You seize the sovereignty of God's timing. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I wonder how many of you would raise your hand and, and say, Pastor, I need the presence of God. Pastor, I, I, I need to make it right with God. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you look at me? I want to pray with you. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. 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 Amen. Is he tugging on your heart? Sometimes we want to have all of our questions answered first. <laughs> but that's God's sovereignty. He's there. And he was actually there way back when. Let Him love you. Let Him fill you. Let Him guide you. Let Him help you take your next step closer to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray for Your people. I pray that in Christmas we could understand Your perfect timing in the scope of eternity and not just in the scope of Marvin's humanity. God, you bottle every tear. And God, you're in control. And you're good. And you're loving. And you're kind. Father, I just pray for all those who raise their hands. And would you all just pray this with me, everybody? Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me a Christian, fresh and new. Oh Jesus, I love you. Forgive me of my sins. Now, Lord, I just pray. I pray for those who are, I just sense a heaviness. Lord, a heaviness of something that, that just seems to go with people. Lord, whether it's a great loss, whether it was somebody felt abandoned or taken advantage of, or something that they just can't let go, this unforgiveness thing. God, I just pray. Would you set the captive free? Would you just take all that weight? You said your, your burdens are light and the yoke is easy. Would you help us to trust you, Lord, just to hand it to you and trust you as we take our next step closer to Jesus? Lord, I pray, bless your people. 
In Jesus' holy name, and we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.